Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm the youth pastor here at Celebration Church, uh, Green Bay. We got some youth in the house tonight. It's, it's, that was okay, right? That was it's fine. You guys know you can do better. Uh, it's a way to show out. It's fine. Uh, I have so many things to say uh, now, especially that Becky has gotten the first crack at the time change. <laughs> announcements, um, but I do. I find it the Lord's work to let everyone know what time it's going to be, because uh, the rest of the world that doesn't come to our church somehow still manages to figure it out with, without us. It's, it's incredible that they can do it. Uh, I know my grandma is actually probably watching on Facebook. She posted two weeks ago that the time change was coming, so she's incredibly prepared. So grandma will post so you know again that it's... The time is going to change. Um, yeah, uh, I did. I had the wonderful privilege a couple of months ago to come and speak to you all. Uh, you are all so kind in your response. Um, so many wonderful messages and, and comments about how well you thought I did. And I really do. I truly appreciate that. Thank you so, so much. That makes this go around a lot tougher, right? Because <laughs> you thought I did well. Now I have a bar to uphold and to a standard to, to set. So hopefully I don't disappoint. Um, you know, it's like Aaron Rodgers when he came in a preseason game. Everyone's like, oh, that backup's pretty good. He became the starter and there was a lot more pressure. So y yes, I did just equate myself to a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's fine. <laughs> It's a great analogy, not adding any pressure to the, the situation. But so, you have a whole lot of expectations now coming in, so it, it's, it's good. Uh, and now that you know I'm a time change hater, uh, I, I don't know what your opinion of me is. But as I was preparing for this message, getting ready um, for what I was going to talk about, I created a list. My mom would be so proud of me. Um, she is a list maker to the T. Uh, and so I was writing down ideas. I was writing down things like, uh, okay, God, what do you want me to speak about? Where do we go with this? How do we, how do we start this? My dad would be proud because that list was on a, a manila envelope, right? So it was not pretty. It was not anything necessary. It was just the thing I had closest was an envelope. And so that's what I wrote my list on. And so I was going through it and I was kind of just going and just this, this resounding theme kind of came back to me over and over over again. And so this is kind of what my message is about tonight. And, and it, my message is about the, this concept, I think this thing that we all struggle with in our lives and we, we struggle with from time to time. And, and, and it's this conflict of who we are versus how we would like to appear. Right, this, this conflict about what's actually going on in our lives, what's the, the issues at hand versus what are the things that I'm going to put out there. What are, what are the things I'm going to let the world into? What are the things I'm going to hand over to God and say, God, this is yours, but I'm just going to pretend. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend all of these things. And, and it's even tougher today because we compare our unfiltered lives to a world cropped and edited for, for, for perfection, right? Social media gives us this. And, I, and as I was doing some research and studying, I came across these social media statistics, and this is not an anti-social media message by any means. I love social media. But I just, I was like, I have to share these statistics because they're mind-blowing. Maybe some of you know them. It's this. Uh, Facebook has 1.6 billion, with a B, active daily users. 1.6 people are logging on to Facebook daily, uh, and the average amount of time is for 58 minutes. So 1.6 billion people are spending an hour of their day on Facebook. Five Facebook videos are created per second, so there's five more, 
right? Uh, our Facebook uh, accounts, not videos, five Facebook accounts are created per second and five billion video views play daily on Facebook. Instagram, right? This is now we're talking to, to youth over there, right? Instagram, do it for the gram. We do everything for the gram, right? Uh, gets 95 million photos posted a day. 95 million photos posted today, which equates to 4.2 billion likes. So I know you're doing the math quickly of how many likes you're getting on your photo, and it's, the math is not adding up, at least if you're anything like me. Uh, and 500 million stories are shared on Instagram daily. Twitter, 140 million daily tweets. Snapchat, Snapchat's when I felt old, all right? Snapchat was the first piece of social media that I was like, I don't get it. Right, maybe some of you got there prior, right? Like, I don't get Instagram, I don't know, but Snapchat was the one for me, right? Like, I, it doesn't make sense. Can't I just text you that? I, I don't know, maybe you're in the same boat as me. So Snapchat has 109 million daily users. This next one is incredible. 109 million daily users. There are over 300 billion daily snaps. It's a lot of selfies of this. Right? Like, like, I don't know if you've ever watched someone Snapchat. They're, they, you know, are not edited for perfection. Um, you're getting raw, unfiltered. Uh, if, if you were to watch all of the snaps from one day, heaven help your soul, and it would take you 950 years to watch all of that content. One day's worth of Snapchat. Yeah, that's a lot of comparison, right? That's a lot of where am I at. But that's, this isn't a new struggle. Right? Social media didn't invent this struggle. It didn't create this struggle. Maybe it adds to it. Right? But this is not a new struggle. In fact, the, the Bible is full of people that, that had this issue, that had this struggle, that have had this, this, this conflict within them of, of who I am versus who I want to appear to be and, well, and what does God have in store for me and figuring out that whole mix. And I want to focus on one person in particular tonight that I think perfectly exemplifies this struggle that we all go through in our life. So we're going to look at the story of Jacob, right? And we're going to pick up actually at the end of his story. I'm going to fill in the gaps for you and then we'll come back. And this is not a, a life study of Jacob because I, I think if, if we think about it and if we come into it with this mindset, we can all find ourselves in Jacob's shoes. We can all relate to Jacob. And so as we go through this tonight and we talk about Jacob's life, I would encourage you not to think of, well, that was Jacob, but how does that apply to me? How does, that, how does that mix in with the things I go through? So we're going to look at Jacob. We're going to pick up the story in Genesis 32, verse 22. And here it is. It says, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. That's for a different message that I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> I've got a hard enough time with one. Love you, babe. Uh, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford to the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? In true guy fashion, right? Only two guys could wrestle all night long, get to a point and be like, oh yeah, what was your name? Right? I think that's like how half my friendship started, right? It's like we just did something and then it was like, oh yeah, you're kind of cool. What's your name? You know, anyway. Asked him, what is your name? And he answered, Jacob. 
Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So we'll leave the off on that verse. Sounds like a great story. Sounds like a man who, who wrestled with, with God or an angel or, or someone and got blessed in that moment. And it is. It's an incredible story. Jacob has his name changed in that moment. But if we go all the way back, this isn't the first time Jacob wrestled. right? If we go to Jacob's birth, we see in Genesis 25, 21 through 26, it says this. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered her prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her. They wrestled. And she said, why is this happening to me? All the moms can relate, right? So why is this happening? And maybe the rest of the child's life. Same sentiment. I don't know. So she sent, so she went to inquire to the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob, which means heel grabber or deceiver. Right? So, so here's why. Here's why even before Jacob had, had thought as a baby born, right, he was grabbing at Esau's heel. Because in those times, the firstborn carried weight. I think it still does. I'm the firstborn. Joel carries weight. Listen to me. Uh, right? But it carried weight. It carried, it carried promise. It carried more of a birthright. The firstborn would get more of the inheritance. And not like, oh, you get a little bit more. Like a substantial amount more of the inheritance came with the birthright of the firstborn. And so here we see Jacob, he wrestles with his family, he wrestles with God, and he wrestles with himself to find himself. And I think we wrestle with this same conflict in our own lives between who we think we're supposed to be and who we really are. You see, Jacob was born with a me first mentality. He came out of the womb grabbing at his brother's heel. This isn't all that different to how we come out of the womb. You, you don't have to teach a child to be selfish. Right? You don't have to teach a child to say mine or me or take, you know, right? Like to take something from you, right? Like they, they innately do that. What you do have to teach a child is to say please, thank you, to share, right? We come out with a selfish, a me first attitude. All the messages receiving, we receive in our world from marketing, from wherever it is, are, are me first. They're selfish messages, right? They, they say, hey, take care of yourself. Whatever you want is great. Whatever you need is perfect. Like, just take care of yourself. Me, 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 me. You want it. You need it. You got to have it, right? Everything we experience in life is geared towards us. Jacob, he comes out grabbing at the heel. But this is not the way we were made to live. Matthew 19.30 says this, but many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. You see, not, not, only are the, not always are the ones who get ahead actually ahead. The Bible actually teaches us something completely counter to that statement of me first. Me first is an exhausting and a miserable way to live. It is when our only focus in our lives is me. What can I get out of it? What can I do? It just it, it, it's, doesn't work. And it's exhausting to never have a bigger thought than me is a terrible way to live. 
to never get outside of yourself, to expand your thought process past that. It disconnects you from the people around you. Luke 9.25 says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet to lose or forfeit their very self? What good is it for you to grab after stuff or status, success or security, only to find out that you left yourself farther behind because you lost yourself in the process? What good is it to focus on only yourself when you lose yourself through the process? Me first doesn't work. It was Jacob's mentality and he grabbed at Esau's hill, but he still was the second born. He still was not first born. If we fast forward this story, so Jacob and Esau, they grow up. Esau becomes a hairy hunter. I know our Wisconsin men can relate, right? With your beards and guns. It's like what we do. We're hairy hunters. I mean, not we. I don't do, can't grow a beard and I don't hunt. So, but it's what we, the larger we, it's what we do, right? We're hairy hunters, right? Jacob, it says, uh, this is funny. It says, Jacob sat among the tents, right? Jacob was a mama's boy. He cooked. He hung out with his mom, right? Like, it was great. Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau was a hairy hunter. So we fast forward the story, and Esau, he comes back one day famished from the hunt, and he sees Jacob cooking up some delicious bean stew in the kitchen, and he says, give me some stew. Give me some beans. And Jacob's like, well, it's going to cost you. The deceiver, the heel grabber, he took this moment to get ahead. This is not what I'm talking about tonight. This is just good. Uh, <laughs> so he makes a deal with his older brother Esau, who is so starving. He said, I will trade you this bowl of beans for your birthright. And Esau agrees. How many times in our own life do we give up what we want most for what we need now or what we want now? I think we do it time after time again. Anyway, that's free. That's not what we're talking about. We just got to get you through the story. So Esau, he trades his birthright for a bowl of beans. So he's got the birthright, but now he wants the blessing. He's got it, but he wants the blessing. You see, when we're centered on ourselves, we always need more. We're never content. There's always something else we need to go after. C.S. Lewis said it like this. We don't take pride in the possession itself, but in having more than someone else does. Right? In other words, it's not okay to be thin. We need to be thinner. It's not okay to be ripped. We need to be ripped-er. Right? It's not okay to be rich. We need to be rich-er. It's not okay to be smart. We need to be smart-er. Right? We're always comparing ourselves and we want to be the er, right? We want to be more than someone else. We want to be better than someone else. It's all about the er. Jacob wanted the er. And so we see in Genesis 27, 15 through 22, we're going to pick back up in the story and said, then Rebecca, and you guys are like, well, see, it's just the mom. The mom set him up, right? That conniving mom. No comment. <laughs> Just going to leave that one alone. Uh, that is not my mom, by the way. Uh, that can I be my... Here's the deal. Jacob, at this moment in time, is 76 years old. Like, dude, you've got to own some of this, right? All right, so he's got to own it. So then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skin. That's a bummer. If you are so hairy that someone can relate with goat skin. It's just, yikes, all right? Goat skin. 
Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son. He answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? You see, here's the thing. When we think about ourselves, when we play me first, we can get so comfortable in that that we can make it look good. That we can spin it. We can spin it that my, selfish, my selfishness, my me firstness, that's even about God. Because look at Jacob's next statement here. How could you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success. He painted the picture. It's me first. I'm stealing my brother's blessing because I wanted it. But yet, let me paint it in a picture that it's good for God. The Lord gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing." Jacob steals the blessing in that moment. But in this process, Esau comes back, the hunter with weapons, the mama's boy in the tent, right? He gets back. And so Jacob gets the blessing, but he has to run for his life. And for the next 21 years, Jacob is on the run. You see, it's possible to get what we want and then not want it, right? It's possible to get it and not want it if we get it the wrong way. You see, we get what we seem and thought was a blessing, but when we, the way we get it, it leaves us on the run. It leaves us scattered and, and running from everything we thought we wanted because it wasn't really you, because God can't bless who we pretend to be. Right, he can't bless who we pretend to be. God can't bless Jacob dressed up like Esau. You see, like Jacob, we create a lot of me's. Right? There's the me, the version you are, and then there's the me maybe you want to be. Right? And that's the, the person who's, who's awesome and who's consistent and he's disciplined but fun. And right? we create this picture and then this, this version of ourselves and that's who we pretend to be because that version is better than who I actually am. And so we live in this fake place. Maybe you live in a version of yourself that you didn't create, but someone else spoke some things over you and you believe those things. And so you're pretending to be that version of you that isn't the version of you that God's created, that isn't the version of you that you're in now, but you've just put on these masks and you've pretended to be this person for so long that you just live in that and you function in it. We learn to talk the talk and walk the walk and to make everything seem like it's okay. But what good is the blessing of Isaac if you can't be in the house to enjoy it? What good is the blessing if you can't have anything that goes with it? What good is the attention from the people that you pretend to be someone else to get when it's not really you? Right, like teenage boys, what, what good is it to go into school and to be tender-hearted and to be compassionate, but to act tough when you get there because that's the expectation? I know you guys are like, well, those are the teenagers. What good is it to go to work and pretend to be someone you aren't only to go home and have to pretend to be someone different only to come to church and have to pretend to be someone different? Right? Like, what good is it to pretend to be who we're not if we lose ourselves in the process and through that process, God can't bless us? 
You see, Jacob got the blessing, but he lost himself. Sometimes we get the stuff, but we lose ourselves in the process. You see, it took Jacob a long time to see this. And sometimes that what it's, that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes us getting all the stuff we wanted to see that's not what you needed all along. That it's not what you needed through it. So after 21 years of running, Jacob heads back home. Right? This is the verse we started with. And we see that Jacob had earned everything he thought he wanted. He's got tremendous wealth. He's got two wives. Right? He's got everything he thought he wanted. And he realizes that it's not at all what he needed. In hindsight, it's never really wanted after all. And so he goes back to get forgiveness from his brother. And it's on his way back home that he meets God and he begins to wrestle with him. All of Jacob's life, he had been grabbing at anything he could get his hands on. He'd been grabbing at his brother's heel. But now something grabs on to Jacob. Genesis 32, 26 says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. In other words, he said, I've been holding on to heels, but, but now I'm holding on to the one who can really bless me. I, I'm letting go of everything else. I'm letting go of my deceit. I'm letting go of who I've pretended to be. I'm letting go of everything I thought I wanted. I'm letting go of everything else. And here I am holding on to you until you bless me. And Jacob continues to hold on to God, even when it would have been much, much easier to let go. Right? He wrestles with God all night when it would have been so much easier. In fact, at one point, God touches his hip, right? makes him limp in the hip, which might have just been because he was old. He would have been 97 at that point, but <laughs> no, right? But he does. God touches his hip, and yet Jacob holds on. You see, the first key to finding ourselves, the thing we need to do more than anything else to find ourselves is we need to make the decision to not let go of God. Right? We've got to make the decision to hold on. That whatever we're in the middle of, don't give up. You see, the same tenacity that worked for him as a deceiver is the same thing that's drawing him close to God here. That willingness to, to never let go, to hold on to the heel of his brother, to, to stay holding on and connected. He's using it, but now it's working for him. You see, he was blessed as Esau, but now he's getting the blessing for himself. Because he's finally acknowledging of where the blessing comes from. Where everything truly matters. And so here he is clinging to God in these moments. He's tried everything else. He's got wealth. He's got family. None of it mattered. Right? Here he is holding on to God. Band, if you want to come, get ready. Get set here. We move on to Genesis 32, 27. And the man asked him, what is your name? It's a big question. Jacob's been asked this question before. Right? If we remember back to, to Isaac when he was there and he's going to get the blessing and he says, what is your name? He claims to be Esau. Here he's being asked as he's clinging to God, wrestling through him with the night, what is your name? And he responds, Jacob. He answers, Right? So, so what's happening is, is, is he's asking, what is your name? I, I, I know who you're pretending to be, but who are you really? Who are you in this moment? And Jacob says to God, I'm Jacob. 
I'm the deceiver. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the backstabber. I'm the one who's always trying to be first. You see, in, in this moment, Jacob let his wall down. In this moment, Jacob said to God, hey, here, here's who I am. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's who I am. Here's not who I'm pretending to be. Here's not the things I've put up. Here's not the lies I've told, the, the, the deceit I've had. This is me. And when Jacob opens up, we see in Genesis 32, 28, it says, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. You see, once Jacob admits who he was, once he admits his real name to God, God gives him a new name. He gives him the name Israel. God may prevail. Right? He, he changes everything once he admits his real name. And, and it's not only your success, but sometimes it's your struggle that God will show you who you really are. Amen. He'll show you who you are as you go through that thing. Now you might think, Jacob, he got a new name. Everything is good. Every place we see his name going forward, we're going to see Israel. But that's not the case. As we go forward in the story, we see Jacob referred to as Jacob and we see him referred to as Israel. And why? Right? If, if God changed it in the moment, if he gave him a new name, why is he still referred to as Jacob sometimes? You see, it's because change is complicated. It's because it's not easy. A new name doesn't mean our struggles are gone. A, a new name doesn't, doesn't mean that, that God will show us completely maybe even who we are. Right? It's a, it's a process. Life is about conflicting changes. You see, when God calls you something, he's calling things out of you that maybe you can't see yet. Maybe you are not ready for yet. And so we need to struggle and we need to go through it and we need to change through this process. But it doesn't mean everything's fixed. It doesn't mean everything goes away. But the good news, the good news is this, is that God's comfortable in our conflict. That he's not intimidated by our inadequacy. This doesn't scare God that, that when it changes that our struggles are still there. That we still have to battle and fight through those things. That we still have to push forward and we still have to grapple and hold on to him to fight for it. And here's how we know. Here's how we know. Uh, a couple months ago when I spoke, I talked about Moses and the burning bush. I want to bring us back to this moment. And th this is... This is one of those moments, at least for me, that as you, as you read the Bible, maybe you've had it, that sometimes something just sticks out to you different, right? Like I've, I've read the passage. I know the story of Moses. I preached on it two months ago, but, but sometimes when you look at something, you just, something's different. So here we are, Moses at the burning bush, long after Jacob is dead and the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt. Moses meets God at the burning bush. Exodus 3, 13 through 15 says this. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am, which is a profound statement, right? Which is a great statement that God is everything he says. He's, he's I am who I am. But then this next statement says this, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and you would expect the God of Israel, the, the God of change, the God of new names. But here's what he says. And the God of Jacob has sent me to you. The God of Jacob. God says, I'm the God of Jacob. I'm not only the God of your success, but I'm the God of your failure. I'm the God of your struggle. I'm the God of the parts you don't want to talk about. You don't want anyone to see. I'm the God of those things in your life. Not only of your successes, but your struggles too. The part of you that you don't want anyone to see, not just your victories, but your defeats. He's the God of all of it, right? His name is Jesus and he is full of mercy and grace for our victories and our defeats. We can have a new name today. We can. That happens when you call on the name of Jesus. It gives you a new beginning, a new start, right? Because me first is miserable. But when we turn it over to God, when we wrestle with him, when we say, God, this is me. No more fakeness, no more pretend versions, but here I am. That's when God grabs hold of us and change happens. And he says, I'm there with you through your struggles, through your victories, through everything that you may go through. Will you guys do this with me? Will you stand up? In a moment, we're going to sing a song to close ourselves out tonight. So I just want to get ready for that. I'm going to pray over you. But we're going to sing the song Tremble again. And the, and the song Tremble says, Jesus, Jesus. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't, I don't know whatever. I don't know who you've pretended to be. But I do know this, that when we call on the name of Jesus, full of grace, full of hope, that he meets us in those moments, that he gives us a new name, that he gives us things to, to push forward to and hope and, and freedom, right? From all of it. So will you pray with me as we start to, sing this song. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, I thank you that you are a God of hope. That, that you say it doesn't matter what you're going through. I'm the God of Jacob and I'm the God of Israel. And, and Lord, that you would just move in this place. That you would help us to, to take off whatever things we're holding on to, whatever deception we may be putting out there, Lord, but that we would just open up to you and say, God, here I am. Move in my life, Lord. Let me cling to you so tightly. And, and I don't know, maybe you're, you're new to faith. Maybe you've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life. I want to encourage you tonight that you can encounter the, the Savior of the universe in this same moment. That he can give you a new name in Christ tonight. All you have to do is quietly, in your own words, ask Jesus to forgive you and invite him to come into your life tonight. So Lord, I just pray over these people that you would move in a great and mighty way. And we pray, amen.